Hello and welcome to Turtle Tracks Podcast. This is your host, Brian Ben Hooker, and I'm here with my good friend, Aaron Hazuri. Aaron, it's like so overdue that you're on this podcast, by the way. I know. But I thank know. you for doing this. Absolutely, of course. I, I wanted to wait until we had a lot of shit to talk about, and now we probably have too much. So. <laughs> well, I didn't want to come on as a fan artist. I couldn't, like, I just, I wanted to come on once I had some actual, like, pro work. So I'm glad to come on now that I've been doing yeah. actual stuff for a while. So if you're unfamiliar with Aaron's work, he's done, um, uh, He he's right now working for NECA. Uh, you did a bunch of box art for them, and now you're with them full time. Uh, you did one of the co- you were part of one of the covers for the last Ronin and clearly the work you're best known for and is obviously the most important is you drew the logo for this podcast oh yeah <laughs> by far the most like yes, that's the one. That's the, yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> but uh anyway dude i've been a, I, I was a huge fan of yours before we became friendly and we've worked on some other stuff since then and it's it's been a huge pleasure to get to know you over the past yeah absolutely few years now it's been a few years so it's been like gosh i don't know two three no it's been yeah like two or three years it's been a while yeah <laughs> we've uh, done uh yeah i mean friends traveled a little bit <laughs> yeah oh that's right yeah i dropped you off the airport by the way i i, I vastly regretted dropping you off that fucking airport because i was in traffic for a long time after that so <laughs> that was a one-time well i appreciated it but yeah listen, that will never happen again because that i was that, like it really set me back like a good hour that was a terrible idea i was far too nice <laughs> oh fucked. man well i appreciate it <laughs> but yeah it's been a pleasure to get to know you aside from that so <laughs> uh i guess to get started man i mean uh I mean, I, it's weird to ask people questions that I already know the answers to. Um, <laughs> right? Like, I already know all the things, but I'll, I'll try to make this work. Uh, so, I guess pre, pre, uh, 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 you know, drawing a lot of the turtles and stuff, what was your influence in turtles? What was turtles' influence on you growing up? Like, you grew up with turtles. So. Yeah. So, when I was like really young, I don't know, eight, nine, um, we were all Ghostbusters fans back then. I'm a little older than you are. Um, and I was growing up in the 80s in the Ghostbusters and stuff like that. And I always liked to draw. And Turtles came out and I was like just the right age when Turtles came out. Because Ghostbusters was kind of dying off. Turtles came in. And what they had that Ghostbusters didn't have was they had comics. Ghostbusters had comics, but it didn't start off as comics. And my dad was really into comics. And he brought home some of the early Turtles books, which I kind of saw. Um, and then the cartoon and the toys came along. And... My dad was kind of like, oh, this is cool, but they had comics, too. And he was bringing home these black and white comics at the same time as I was watching the cartoon, playing with the toys, and uh, discovered the Archie stuff um, a little bit later. And that was like, whoa, the art in those, you know, the stuff by Ken Metroni, especially, yeah. um, was just like, I just was drawn to it, like, immediately. And so I was into it as a fan. I love the cartoons. I love the toys. But I really loved the comics, the Mirage ones and the Archie ones. And that from like, gosh, I don't know, 90, 91 up until now (laughs) was like my number one, like the comics, especially was the, I was so into those comics and I love to early on copy those drawings, whether it was the Eastman and Laird stuff or the Kim Metroni stuff. I like to just, just copy all of it with the Steve Levine stuff too, before I knew who he was, um, the Levine Brown stuff, just the art of it all. Um, because unlike a lot of the other stuff back then, all the turtle stuff had different art on it. A lot of it was really good. You'd see like Michael Dooney stuff on like a towel or a t-shirt or something. And 
the art of that, like the difference in all the artwork was like as an artist, as a guy whose dad is an artist, I was just drawn to how different all the stuff looked and how most of it looked pretty good. And the comics especially just just copying those drawings was was how I learned to draw, honestly. I didn't go to art. Like I, went to, I had some graphic design classes. Um, and then in high school, I had some drawing classes. But copying out of those comics was how I learned to draw early on, just drawing those turtles over and over and over. I think it shows <laughs> in the stuff that I do now. It's so funny that, like, so you connected with both those versions, and they're diametrically opposed almost, like the Eastman Laird stuff versus... They are sort of, but I'd say yeah. where they're similar. Um, sure. Kenny can tell you about this too, but Eastman and Laird were huge Jack Kirby fans and they loved the 60s Marvel stuff. And Kenny, when he was coming up in the like 70s, um, got to talk to Jack Kirby and get the Jack Kirby superhero talk when it comes to doing um, comics and storyboards and stuff. So they both have a similar kind of energy, even though they don't have the same style. Hmm. They have the similar kind of like, drawing this by the seat of our pants energy. Like sure. you can sense Eastman and Lair drawing this stuff at night in front of the TV, passing pages back and forth, inking and drawing. And Kenny doing the same thing with his page is like knocking the stuff out on his lunch break from Warner Brothers or whatever. Just like drawing as fast as he can. That energy is what I think they have in common. They have this like this vibrancy that more carefully drawn stuff doesn't always have. And that's what mm. I think connects those two. Like they both have that you can feel the energy of the mark or the um, pens or the brushes. Kenny would never use a, a marker. The brushes, these guys inking, like you can just feel that like exuberance or whatever you want to call it. Like they weren't doing it just for a paycheck. They were doing it because they were like really like trying to get this stuff on paper as fast as they could. So that's like what draws me to both those things. And the the other thing is the feeling that, especially with Eastman and Laird stuff, they were doing it themselves. There was nobody over them Mm. Like, art directing them and i know kenny too he would just draw the stuff and turn it in but that's what like that's what i think connects those two as well it's artists that are just working for themselves doing it for themselves not trying to please anybody else just trying to get this stuff done tell the story the best way they can that to me is what connects those two I, I when i was growing up ken mitroni was my favorite turtle mm. artist like i i didn't even have like a full run of the archie <laughs> books yeah, and I was definitely more influenced by the cartoon and the movie and all that. But like, I also grew up loving like Looney Tunes and shit like that. Oh yeah, and, same. Like, there, there was same. just a little bit of that and like, or you know, a decent chunk of that in Ken's artwork. Yeah, where his just like his faces were different. They were just more fun and stretchy. And well, like, that's the other thing that that drew me to Kenny stuff was I got older. I really wanted to work in cartoons. That was my like dream when I was in high school. Um, aside from wanting to be, ironically, a toy designer. I wanted to work in cartoons, and so I started studying those guys, people like Chuck Jones, but also the animators that worked for him, and people like mm. Preston Blair and, and guys like that, um, Clampett, and a lot of those old-school animators, I was really into their stuff, and I got into some other comics that some of Ken's contemporaries were doing, but also older stuff from the 40s and 50s that the cartoonists, um, funny animal type stuff. Yeah. Um, and Ken kind of carried that stuff over into the modern era with his work, but also, you know, he wasn't the only one doing it, but I think he was the only one doing it with turtles. And so that's kind of like why I was so drawn to his stuff. Like you're saying, he had some of that Looney Tunes influence. And as I started studying those other cartoonists, I could keep studying Ken's stuff because it did have a lot of those, those um, characteristics in it. And I still like, still have these old beat up, like I keep these handy 
just in case I need some inspiration to refer to, I keep these things nearby. This one, though, was one I had as a kid, and the faces in it are this stuff. This oh, stuff, yeah. Faces. Yeah, that was... I wore those things out. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, mean... I didn't read the Mirage stuff until later, but, like, those were sold in, like, grocery stores and things like that around me. Yeah. And I, I never had, like, a, a, a not until much later did I have, like, a clear run of all of them, but, like... Yeah. I read them over and over and over again. Like I still have my issues and they're completely falling apart. I yeah. really liked his stuff. Uh, uh, Chris Allen's also very good. I, yeah. I, and, and uh, I really like Garrett Ho's stuff too. Yeah. That was another guy that um, Ken was telling me he, he dragged him in to work on those things. He was a story artist that worked with Kenny. Mm. And at some point Kenny dragged him in and had him doing stuff. And I think there were some other story artists that worked on some of these too. Um, names escape me, but yeah, he would drag guys in to, to work on this stuff. And one of the cool things about Turtles back then is they would give freelance work to a lot of different cartoonists. I think Milton Knight did a couple stories. Uh, Don Simpson did some really, like, crazy-looking turtles. Um, <clears throat> and, like, they would give them almost no direction other than, here's a, we'd love for you to do a turtle story. And they would just do it in whatever style they came up with. There was no, like, got to stay on model. It's got to please these corporate people. There was none of that in that turtle stuff, which is another thing that drew me to it. It all looks so different, but it all looked like, like the artist was really like working to do the best work they could and not just kind of do this for a paycheck. I kind of like that. I mean, like I was just talking to a guy named uh, Gavin Smith, who's doing, <clears throat> who just did a recent run of the IDW series. Mm. And I, mean, I think it's a little, it, it's obviously more structured now than it was then, but there's still yeah. some of that where like, there is an opportunity for artists to like put their own personal stamp on it. It's not, not everybody has to be on model all the time. Like it's like that's you true. Have to find that's your own true. thing. Like that, that's that's like I mean, I don't know, maybe that's more common in comics, but like I think it you can still tell one person's turtles from another. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. I don't think the stuff now um has the same. How can I say this without it saying sounding bad? I don't think it has the same like energy. Or, I would agree with that. Yeah, that's fair. like the same dynamic. Like this stuff to me. I mean, I've seen Ken draw, and it takes like a minute. Yeah. And he's like crazy when, fast, and it's it's like when I was a kid, I had the Superman comic that um, had a drawing by Jack Kirby in it before I really knew who he was, and I remember showing it to my dad. And my dad's like, "Doesn't that jumps off the page, doesn't it?" Yeah. So yeah, it does. And looking at this Kenny stuff, it's not that it's there's like it's not anatomically correct. Um, but it really does jump off the page. And you can so tell much personality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's drawing this stuff really quickly, but this stuff just like jumps off of the page. It's not yeah. boring at all. And for me, the worst thing you can do as a comic artist is for it to be boring. Like that's. Oh, I completely I agree. Anatomy's yeah. wrong. I don't care if faces are wonky or whatever. If it's boring, that's the worst. And I think, again, how can I say this without sending back? A lot of modern stories are written with more talky parts more like yeah drama stuff which is cool if that's what you're into but it leads to pages that are not as interesting to look at i don't think because mm -hmm. if you look at this there's very little like standing around and talking and when there is it looks like um it looks like looney tunes <laughs> characters are having an argument or something and yeah. i don't think you see many comics that are that have the action that also have like looney tunes cartoon characters in them and that's what continues to draw me to those things <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, like, that's the Turtles I've, it's funny, like, my favorite Turtles anything ever was that first movie. Yeah. And it's still, that's still the case. But, yeah. I, like, as far as drawings go, I kind of 
gravitated towards like chunkier, like cuter turtles. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's just because that's what I like. Didn't I never realized it till much later that I was like, because I mean, I probably reached a point where I was like, oh, Mirage is better because there's blood, whatever. <laughs> At some point, I'm sure I thought that way. Um, and I feel like that's where a lot of the fans reside, and that's cool. I still love that stuff, but like. Yeah. The stuff that I get most excited about is like the goofy, stretchy, chunky turtle, and and, and like not to flatter that—that's exactly what drew me to your artwork. Um, you know, whatever, yes. whatever first saw you a few years ago was that's I was like, "Okay, I'm like the cut rate version of." No, of but I mean, like, I, you say that, and I think you say it too flippantly, because like your, I can still tell. Your turtles versus Kenny's. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Turtles. Mine don't yeah. look that much like his. Mine are reminiscent of his, but if you hold them together, you can absolutely tell it was his. Because his are his and mine are mine, and they're they're a little bit, they're definitely different. Um, but yeah, this is a tangent. I don't even remember what we're talking about. We're talking about me growing up with turtles, and I. Well, that's a question for you. So, like, <clears throat> you were influenced by guys like Kenny and yeah. and and Jim Engel. Who I yeah. had on this recently, I think because oh of yeah, him, I think. Jim Engel, I can't forget Jim. Yeah, and his turtles are very chunky, happy, and he only yeah. did like six fucking turtle drawings, <laughs> but like, holy shit, they stand out because they were on backpacks well, and stuff like that too. But they were and really that's another thing where they didn't give him much direction, and he just did them in his style, and he was steeped in that old cartoon, yeah, kind of forties and fifties funny animal stuff, um, but also had some animation influence in there, and his other stuff is was influencing me again before I knew who he was. I didn't know who he was until fairly recently. Um, but in fact, Kenny introduced me to who Jim was. Um, hmm. But he drew almost everything in the 80s and, and he's 90s. a fan of your work, by the way. He, he brought well, you which up. Which I appreciate. I think those during our interview. Nice. I think he brought up nice. during our yeah, interview. Yeah, I watched it. I watched that one. I think he's just being nice. Um, but but I still appreciate it. He but brought up stuff, your name. I mean, I mean, like, I didn't even drop your name. He brought he it up. He worked on, like, so, well. So that's just him being nice. He's a nice guy. I think he was being nice, but he worked on. He was the McDonald's, um, like creator. Yeah, he did like every. He did like tons of yeah. Happy Meal toys. I mean, I've got his McNugget things here that I didn't even realize he designed until fairly recently. I mean, guys like that just—they just had this. I don't know. There, there was this charm they got into their work that I don't see in a lot of work now. A lot of work now is is a little bit cold. I think. Um, yeah. So that's what drew me to those guys back then and continues to draw me to them as the action. Like Especially on merch. Yeah. Like there's not any more like individuality with any of that stuff. If, if something's on a shirt. Yes. 700 people approve that. <laughs> and you've also seen that image on 700 other things. It's, it's like stickers. I right? saved this and I yeah. like it. But this same art is everywhere because all yes, they're doing is same posing computer models. And yeah. the computer models are cool, but I've got, I think, a box here that has... Oh, yeah. this isn't a video podcast. He's holding up a box of the yeah. new turtle cereal. I've got the turtle cereal, and I've got this, this uh, um, what is this, uh, pencil box. And it's the same art. Yeah. And I don't think, I, I don't think that it has the same, like, charm. That the old stuff did. Like, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't even think that's a reflection on that art. Right. No, the art is fine. The art is fine and it works great in the movie. And I really like the new movie. It, yeah, um, it was cool. But uh, I just, just think like there's no room for individuality when right. it comes to like like back when we were kids, like 
the fucking fruit snacks box looked dope. Right? Like that was really cool <laughs> and I, stuff. I hate to sound like that guy that's like when I was a kid, but Me too. I hate to be and I never I I'm not usually that guy. But there is no, there's no room for individuality like that anymore. There were more there was a little bit more risk taking back then, a little bit more um less micromanaging. There were less corporate people involved, especially with turtles. Yeah. Disney was 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 bad about it back then. And you can look at some of their stuff and it's 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 bad. But with Turtles, there were a lot more. You had Eastman and Laird, and I think they had a a really good eye for artists and they, they knew who they wanted to work on some of this stuff. And um, they, they had a, they, they just had a sense for what looked good and what did. And I think that helped. And I also think when artists know they're being left alone to just create stuff, they're more inclined to give you some of their best work. There's a, mm. there's an artist, um, Eddie Young, I think is his name, who a Facebook friend showed me recently. He did, gosh, hundreds of t-shirt designs in the 80s or in the 90s. And I didn't, I never heard of this guy. I thought a lot of that stuff was Steve Levine and, and Ryan Brown, but this guy was able to copy their style pretty well. And then he did some other stuff that I thought was Eastman and Laird. It was also this guy, but he yeah. did just hundreds of these t-shirts, just cranking this stuff out. I mean, it was amazing to see how much work this guy did. And he, he, he said it was, they just left him alone to do this stuff. They just let him draw, come up with ideas and no, there was no, uh, there was a turtles licensing guide, but they weren't like, you got to stick to this. It was more like, here's what the characters look like, but do your thing. And and that's what a lot of those artists did. What was that guy's name? I think it was Eddie Young. I'll have to reach out. I'm, sure that, was though, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Now I got to check. Hang on. Don't hang on. I got to check. Sure. I don't yeah. want to speak. But I no, think dead was... air is the best thing for a podcast. Please take your time. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look up. Ask me another question while I'm looking. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question for you. So, like, you have your influences, right? Like, right. Ken, Jim Angle, but like, you still have your own turtles. How yeah. did you find your turtles enough to separate from theirs? And like, I don't know. How how did you find your own touch on them? Um, I guess is my question. It was Eddie Young, by the way. I was able all right. To nice. Awesome. Confirm that for you. <laughs> I don't know. You know, my own turtles. It's like. I I draw in so many different styles. You, maybe you've seen this, but if you look at some of my stuff, um, I did a Triceraton piece recently. And that's my favorite story. Return to New York is probably my favorite comic book story ever. Um, and so I did a piece with those turtles, and I love drawing those old school, those Mirage turtles. Yeah. Um, but I also like drawing the original old, old Mirage turtles from the first issue. But I also like the cartoon ones. So... I don't know if I have like when I do the cartooning ones, I'm kind of just drawing. I don't really okay. think about it at all. Sometimes I'll, I'll I'll think about it a little bit, but I don't know how I got there. I just kind of you look at stuff and mine's probably equal parts. Steve Levine and um, Jim Ingle and Kenny, um, probably more Kenny than anybody else. But that all just kind of mixes together and it and it comes out the way it comes out. Um I and mean, there's other stuff I read too as a kid. Preston Blair, I, I used to copy the drawings out of those um, How to Draw Cartoons books. Um, that just all goes in. And when you draw, it's just what comes out. I don't think too much about it. I just kind of draw it. And if I have to go back and fix something, then I might start thinking about how would Kenny do this or how would Steve do that. Um, but um, yeah, I just kind of <laughs> just kind of draw i don't know it's it's hard to say where it comes from because i think every artist if you ask them where does this come from there's a saying that style is all the stuff that you do wrong and i think 
kind of. When you're doing cartoons, it's all style. It's almost all just just style. Hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think I'm just a mix of a little bit of everything. I mean, even to the point where there, if somebody is inking, well, Kenny, for example, if Dave Garcia is inking his work, it's going to look differently than when, who's inking him in this one? Is it Dan Berger um, or Ryan Brown? Dan Berger. So Dan Berger's inks are going to look different than Dave Garcia's inks. And so some of my turtle drawings look like something that Dave Garcia might have inked because that was a little bit tighter. Um, so I don't know. The answer is <laughs> I have no idea. We've talked about this a lot. And I, I, I don't know. I found it fascinating. Was that the kind of magic touch for much of what we remember as being the turtles, like the t-shirt art, licensing art, was Levine and Brown. Yeah. Together. I, I don't know if you like I don't know. I just that I didn't I never knew that. Like yeah. I don't not until we like how like the images of the turtles like that you the, the four turtles popping out of the background or like when they're the the one where Donnie's half in the sewer manhole cover and they're all standing around. Like yeah. all those very basic Ninja Turtles images, the ones that you did see everywhere and there were stickers yeah. of. Yeah, that that is that Steve Levine, yeah, and Ryan Brown together, yeah, deserve Those the credit because it was like a dream stuff, team. It was like yeah, because they they both had their own stuff, and they back in the eighties, Ryan Brown especially put put out his own comics and stuff. Um, and Steve Levine was he done some lettering, he done some coloring, but when it came time to do those those cartoony turtles, he was telling me they didn't know if the cartoon was going to go, if it was going to take off. Um, and they knew that toy line had already, they were already, you know, starting to produce hundreds of thousands of toys. So he thought they needed some turtles that looked kind of like the toys, but mm. kind of like the cartoon, but not exactly like either one. So they have, you'll you'll see if you look at them, some of them have the piping around the shell. Not always, but sometimes they have the piping around the shell. But they also have the black belts like the toys in a lot of that art. But they mm. have the cartoony faces. And the the magic part of that art for me, there's there's like two or three aspects to it. One is the eyes, the eyes and the mouth. There's a thing that Steve Levine and Ryan Brown together got when they would draw those turtle faces, and they got it on almost every single one of their vintage drawings. Has that just perfect mix of the eyes and the mouth, and all the other stuff they did too, because they did some Rocksteady and Bebop, and 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 all that stuff looks good too. But on those turtles that we saw everywhere, that seemed to be the magic, like. When you talk about Muppets, Muppets have what they call the magic triangle, which is where yeah. the eyes and the nose line up. Turtles is the same way. Those eyes and the nose have to be in the right proportion, in the right location. And like those two together seem to have the magic touch on that first part, the face, the, the eyes and nose. The second part is the way they would draw the bodies. And it was like they had to be chunky. There wasn't like an actual yeah. musculature. If you see yeah. a real musculature, it means it's not real vintage art. It's fake vintage art. Because those guys didn't, they, they know musculature, but they weren't drawing that on these turtles. They were right. drawing these turtles like chunky, almost like marshmallows. Yeah. Um, and the third thing, which a lot of artists miss, is the posing. There was a way they would pose those turtles. It was kind of like clunky and, and chunky and a little bit like, not awkward, but it was just this very idiosyncratic way they would pose those chunky turtles to get that look that a lot of artists miss. They try to make them too cool um, or they like they um, make them too slick. But that Levine Brown stuff had that perfect mix of just a little bit chunky and a little bit 
awkward and weird and they would fake some things that wouldn't work in 3d but worked in the drawing and um yeah those two together like it was magic when they would draw turtles i'm looking at, i keep glancing up because i'm looking at one right now i have the original art to um one of the burger king kids club cups hanging up um on the oh, wall nice. and they just like th those faces are just just perfect just perfect those two like for the licensing art we're able to get the faces just just dead on every time i mean uh, one thing that I, I didn't occur to me until much later is like what's what what's here on those turtles right like what <laughs> what in between the front shell and the back shell the yeah. pose is never allowed for that right See, but like, when they would do it i'm looking at one now and sometimes they would just color it black which i do and i just realized i got it from them because i don't think kenny would do that I don't, I'm, I'm looking now to see if that's what kenny did um no kenny would color it green Okay. I color it black, so I got it from them. Um, but yeah, they would just they would just black it out. It's it's interesting to see how their styles are different when they're not working together on turtles. Because Steve does, uh, he's done a lot of different stuff, and yep. he's done turtles since then. And he did some turtles for the 2003 show that looked like 2003 turtles. They didn't look like his old turtles, mm -hmm. and he was able to hit that style really well. And I don't know if Ryan inked him on that stuff or not. He may not have because Ryan kind of stepped away from inking a little bit in the later years um but i've seen ryan ink some stuff recently when he when he and steve get together it's still like still hits that that sweet spot and i'm i'm not as well spoken or educated on this stuff but i was trying to communicate this to somebody not long ago like so it was like oh so like ryan brown's like like levine is responsible for these turtles that i knew as a kid or it's like, oh no, I guess it was more Ryan Brown because you see Levine stuff without Ryan Brown. It's not that. So I was like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> it's it's impossible to like separate it out because yeah. that is like it's the two of them together. Like, like an inker is so much more than just drawing over what somebody else oh, yeah. did. They're not just they're not just tracing. I mean, especially with these turtles. Like, again, I keep looking up at it because the eyes are such a huge part of it. For me, the eyes are like ninety percent of it. You can get the eyes right, the rest of it. You know, the face is 99%. The body, you can fake it. You can get that face right. And a lot of the modern art even misses the face. It's the way the pupils either cross or don't cross, but the way the the eyes are shaped and the amount of space between the eyes. And there's just little things like that that are really easy to miss if you don't understand that they need to be there. And you can tell when somebody, somebody does miss them because it doesn't feel quite right. Um, I know the difference, and I'm not, like I said, I... I, I it, Part of it is simply because I like I grew up with these images around me all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, but like I will get like annoyed because after <laughs> the 2003 art, a lot of the retro art was, oh, we'll just put one of those goofy heads on these 2003 character drawings. Yeah. Yes. Well, and there's and I, I hate those. I hate those. I don't want to disparage any other artists, but there are no. there's I I did some googling and I found that there is an agency that did some of the fake retro <clears throat> excuse me fake retro art that we've all seen that has mm. some tells and, and there's ways you can tell that it's fake um not that it's fake it's real art but that it's not real retro art and like you were saying they do paste heads on bodies oh. but even their heads are off a little bit the spacing between the eyes is off a little bit and it's, it's not... just the goofiness like yeah those fat chunky turtles yes those heads, those goofy heads look great on them. Well, they went, it's, it's a, there's a, like, part of it's the proportion. Yeah. 
uh, because those newer ones, they're too but lengthy, next. too long. They don't even have necks. We're yeah. like the... they don't need necks. <laughs> right. I'm again right now. They don't need necks. They're really chunky. They look like marshmallows. Um, yeah. But they're, I mean, they're <laughs> they're perfect. I can't see them as as like they're they look right to me. Like yeah, I can't see them as being anything less than just right. That's what a turtle should look like. That's you know yeah. But like I, I don't know, like I, when that sort of retroish art came about, you know what it was? Because I was really excited about the O three series. Yeah. And on the Mirage website, like there was all these images of different poses from that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I looked at them a lot. I print them out and all that shit. <laughs> and like it was weird, like when I started seeing those old heads on those bodies, <laughs> stuck on different bodies. Yeah, they don't match. <laughs> they don't. And match. like some of it's fine. Like some of the retro, like like I, I'm just gonna again. This is completely lost in the podcast. Like I don't mind <laughs> this. Yeah, that Not- one's. A- Okay. It's at least it's original. At least it's a a, a new like they're too much. Like the muscular is too correct. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like I'm, I'm showing I'm showing some of the new ish retro art, which but at least it's whole cloth new art, right? And yeah, it gets some of the looseness in there. Yeah. But like so that stuff doesn't bother me. But when it was this weird amalgam of, well, we got these bodies lying around. <laughs> that stuff, well, say- that fake retro art, bothered me. I liked the 2003 show a lot when it first came out because it was so different than the than the original cartoon. Mm-hmm. So I was really into it. Um, and I saw, I think it was Kerry Randolph, I believe is his name. He did a lot of art for that 2003 like licensing stuff. And his stuff looked amazing because it was just that style. It wasn't full retro stuff. It was modern looking turtles mm-hmm. in different poses and different. So that was really cool. I loved seeing that stuff because it was so different than the other stuff. And he had a really different, like, kind of just a different style to it. Totally different from the old stuff, which I love. I I agree on when they try to mix the old with the new. It just doesn't, yeah. it, it doesn't work. I mean, you got to, it's Steve Levine and Ryan Brown. They, I don't even know if they could hit the same notes now because they haven't been, when you're drawing something consistently for a while and then sure. you stop, it's hard to get back into the same groove that you were in um, back when you were doing it, like, all the time. So, sure. you know, he and and Ryan Brown were generating all that art at the same time. It's easy to fall into that style and keep it going. And then years later, when you're trying to go back to it, it's tough to like nail it again. It's tough to get right back to it. I've... That's so interesting to me. I was just talking to Ken about that. And he was saying like how he was looking back at his old art to see how he did it then. Which yeah. is so interesting to me. Yeah. Well, there's been stuff for the kids doing where he'll draw something for, for us at NECA. And Trevor will be like, this looks great, but we need it to look like it did 30 years ago. And then he'll go and look like, oh, that's right. I didn't draw it like this 30 years ago. So I'll have to go back and look how he drew it 30 years ago and then just sure. redraw it. And of course he hits it right every time once he does that. But yeah, it's when you draw something for a while, you you add little things to it here and there and get further away from the original. Sometimes you have to go back and, you know, re-familiarize yourself with the original. And sometimes it's just muscle memory. And if sure. you lose that muscle memory, it's really hard to get it back. It's I haven't done the same thing that long but i've done my own comics and you can look at the stuff at the end and it's a little different than the stuff that i drew 100 pages ago just because that's what happens sure. and if i went back to do it now it would look different than the stuff i did then because i'm not i'm out of practice doesn't mean the stuff now is bad just means it's different than the stuff you were doing back then here's a question for you how did you kind of establish yourself as like a turtle fan artist because like you like you're a turtle like you've sold like 
before you were working for and all that, like you were selling prints and all that stuff. So maybe that's yeah. a good question. Like, is how did you find your way to being like a prominent fan artist that people are buying shit off of? Does well, I'm like, <clears throat> I'm an artist and I wanted to work professionally as an artist, but I also am a Ninja Turtle fan and I wanted to draw Ninja Turtles. Sure. So my dream as a kid was to be like a character designer or a toy designer or a story artist or something. And I went to college um, at a place in Jacksonville, Florida, that did not have anything suited for what I wanted to do. It was just mm. all they had was a graphic design program, which I took because it seemed to make more sense than um, fine art. So, you know, they did the best they could um, to teach what they taught. So I did my thing, just drawing what I like to draw. And this was like 05, 06, somewhere in there. And I was okay, but. To get better, you really need focused practice, not just practice, but focused practice. Like, what are you practicing? So you got to practice with with intent. And that was tough to do there because the teachers, as good as they were, were design professors, not drawing teachers. So they could teach you how to draw a human body. They could teach you how to design a, a I don't know, a catalog or something. But they couldn't get teach you how to become better at drawing for animation or for character design or whatever. So... I had to learn a lot of that on my own. And in the meantime, I just kept drawing what I liked to draw, which was turtles. And I was in a position where I needed to work. So I didn't have as much time to practice, to just, you know, play with drawing. So I kept drawing what I liked to draw, which was turtles. And at some point, I had enough jobs uh, that I hated and decided I was really going to try to make it as a full-time professional artist doing comic books out of Jacksonville, Florida. Sounds completely stupid. And it was. But I tried it anyway. So... I was like an insurance claims adjuster or something. Um, before that, I had worked on a call center and been a delivery driver and retail and all this other crap. So I quit my job as a as a claims adjuster and um, decided to go freelance and do my, my comic book. And I did my own comics um, and started doing little comic book shows here and there in Jacksonville, Florida. Some of them were just, just awful. Uh, but I sold prints because I saw other people were doing that. So I sold prints of some of my turtle drawings. And I was still trying to establish myself however I could. And I had a buddy who was doing the shows with me. And I noticed that his, like, gritty, like, superhero stuff sold really well. So I started trying to do some of that stuff. And I also started trying to do pinup girls because I wasn't good at them. And I wanted to get good at them. So I started doing those. And I just kept drawing turtles because I like drawing turtles. And I fell into teaching elementary school just I seem to fall into a lot of jobs. So I fell into that, kept doing fan art, posting online, whatever, just, just for the heck of it. Um, and then after teaching a couple of years and getting a little bit of a following and um, doing okay with the comic book show thing, I thought I would really like to pursue this animation dream that I've had for years. And um, by now I'm, you know, in my thirties at that point, trying to do this much older than I should have been, but you know, so I moved to L.A. and lied my way into a job uh, as a donut maker and just kept doing the art thing just as much as I could. Mm. Uh, and um, there was no purpose to it other than try to grow a following to see if I could get a job somewhere. Nobody would hire me for anything. And I would go on interviews, portfolio reviews. I would do the, the networking expo that they do every year for animation artists. I just couldn't get you know, I got my foot in the door at Nickelodeon and then the recruiter quit and left the industry. Yeah. So I just couldn't get a job anywhere for anything. And I met Kenny through Facebook and he was apparently behind the scenes trying to get me work somewhere. And just it just wouldn't happen. It just there was just 
I was too far outside. I didn't know anybody. So I just kept pushing myself online, got out of doing the grim and gritty superhero stuff because it wasn't my thing. And I figured I just wanted to draw the stuff I wanted to draw. So um, it just kind of went from there. I didn't really have a plan other than just keep doing it. And, you know, focusing on the stuff I wanted to do, which was trying to do storyboarding. To do that, you have to draw fast. and You've got to be able to draw things in their basic shapes clearly with clear silhouettes that are telling what they're, you know. So doing that stuff, I just naturally got better at doing the other stuff. Um, and then I saw the the print sales thing kind of started to happen for me. So I thought I would formalize it. And then when COVID hit, I got laid off from what I was doing, which I think by then I was teaching an after school program or something. And so I needed a way to really make some money. And that's when the print sales thing kind of took off for me. Um, and then from there, uh, that's when things started to really blow up. Right when I started teaching again, I think it's when you and I connected online and I did your logo and, and, I still am not sure how it went from there to here, but I know I met with you out here when you came to visit and somehow Trevor. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you came out here and we we, we hung out at a bar left at Ninja Turtles art, like two yeah. nerds. And um, somehow from there, Trevor contacted you and you contacted me. And that's how I ended up where I am now. Um, that's the short version of it. I can't remember what stuff I saw of yours. Like it just you sort think, of gradually, I mean, like I just think myself Instagram. on Instagram or something. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I just think like, like I can't remember which ones it was that clicked for me. I think it was just an accumulation. And I've told you this since then. Uh, I originally had reached, had uh, was going to have Ken do my yeah, art. and it was just one of those times where he was just crazy busy and he wasn't able to get to it. And I was like, all right, I'll settle for this guy. Um, <laughs> That's how I get work? That's how I got all my commission work. Ken's too expensive. But no, that... That's not available. Let's get Aaron. But I wanted something very particular. I wanted, yeah, cute, catchy, and I knew like I, I, I designed the idea. Like I wanted coming yeah. out of their shells thing. But I was like, yeah. I wanted somebody who can do cute, happy the shit that I connected with the most when I was a kid. Ken's artwork. Well, and that's see, leaning into that for me was a big deal because there was a point where I was trying to get just whatever work I could. And hmm. I remember a, a a guy I don't know him well, but Dave Alvarez, who's worked for. He's drawn Looney Tunes comics forever. And he's I just interviewed him like a week ago. Yeah, well, he's a cool guy. And he yeah. got me connected with this guy who's kind of an agent or something who got me connected with this gig doing a um, a graphic novel. And it just did not go well. I was mm. working at the time um, full time. I think I was still working at the donut shop, like <laughs> managing a donut shop. At I University. also did made donuts. And <laughs> I it's funny. Like I had a lot of bad jobs before I got to be a writer full time. Donut so was one of them. great. And I got I, I worked for a bakery for four months and then was <laughs> promptly fired because I'm I you know what it is? I like I, I did your did your bakery also do like the thing where you had to make Kaiser rolls? Because like there's like <laughs> no. a twist. There's like a whole thing you have to twist them in a weird way. I yeah. Twist them right. No, we did we I did, did all the shit. All I all I was able to do was to flip <laughs> the fucking donuts in the fryer. See, now we got to talk about donuts for a minute. Let's. I was fired from that. I got I was, I lied my way in. Okay. I got to LA and I'm like, I need a job because I was still paying a mortgage in Florida and rent out here. So like, I got to have a job. So I, I interviewed at this bakery. It was for Voodoo Donut, which was just opening their first Universal Studios CityWalk branch. Um, and it was a big deal. So okay. they were like, you know, 
you have any experience? And I lied and said, yeah, I had a bakery back in Florida. Uh, it was named after my wife. We called it Francesca's. We did it out of our house. We like oh, wow. just, You like just, lied a lot. Just laid it on thick. And they're like, okay, what's the difference between uh, yeast risen and cake? And I, I'm not an idiot. I know enough about i baking. i don't know what words you just said like that <laughs> i just <laughs> so i'm like well yeast uses yeast as the leavening agent and, and baked goods use just you know whatever oh, so you were really good at bullshitting this thing. so okay. they're like all right well you seem um competent so i got in there and a friend of mine later who i met there she's like you were much older than the rest of us and all of us saw you like drawing during the training so we're like this dude should not be here but you know so i ended up like i did that for Gosh, almost two years. It must have been like a year, year and a half. And at some point, I'm like, I, I'm tired. You had to get up at three in the morning, right? You got to get up there early as hell to go bake. It was fucking early. And like, yeah. I'm an early guy. I had to be there four o'clock in the morning. Right. That's fucking early. I had to be there at That's not fun. And like, for me, it was like I had to hit the ground running. Like, I was doing the cake donuts. So I had to be there and get everything done by eight so I could clean my station. I've been fucking exhausted. So, yeah. At some point, I told him, hey, I got to go. And the, the manager's like, you're not allowed to leave. And I said, I, I got to quit. They're like, no, we'd like you to be a manager. I'm like, oh, shit. So I, I didn't have any other prospects at the time. Animation wasn't working. So sure. I ended up being a, made like a manager at this thing. And that lasted a few months before it just got really weird. And so, so I quit. My wife, to her credit, was like, you got to quit. Just quit. So I quit and ended up doing the after school uh, enrichment teaching thing. And um then COVID hit and then everything just, just shut down. And that's when I started really doing the print sales and the online art thing and, and commissions and, um, and decided I had to get a real job because animation wasn't working. Like I needed to just quit and get a real job. So I went back to teaching Yeah, and it's crazy because the same time I went back to teaching is when, anyway, wait a minute, back up. The donut job is when I was doing the thing that Dave Alvarez had recommended me to this agent for okay so it was not going well because i was up at three doing that job and then i'd come home and try to draw oh sure wasn't a style because that's what i was talking about that i was really like they wanted me to do this kind of young adult slice of life graphic novel kind of thing the pay was shit there were like five people involved this agent a writer an editor uh, a letterer and some like they all had to approve everything and i remember like doing designs and they were like this looks too Asian. This doesn't look Asian enough. And I'm like, oh, God, what the <laughs> fuck is this? What? Like, it was just awful. And then at some point, that agent, and I, this is why I, think, I don't think Dave Alvarez will ever speak to me again. This agent emails me back and he's like, to no one's surprise, we have fired you from this project. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. Ouch. It was the worst. And then shortly around that same time, Disney did a portfolio review and the guy was looking at my stuff and he's like, 10 years younger than me, he goes, yeah, I just don't, gosh, there's just no charm or appeal to any of this work. <laughs> oh, it's my rough. God. I, I, like, so, it's, it's rough when they're younger than you, too. It's, it makes they, it hard. Oh, it's, it's, I, trust me, I know. So yeah. that's when I, and like like the, the, the Dave Alvarez thing, that, and then also I did the networking expo one last time, right before COVID. And um, I did it in 2017, 2018, 2019. And the 2019 one, I was like, I, I gotta, I said, you know what it is? I'm not tall enough. Cause I'm only like five, seven tall people are more, they get the, so I've got, <laughs> I got these lifts for my shoes. Right. And I have these things in and my wife's like, you've lost 
your fucking mind. Yeah. This is what it is. So, so I had an interview with Skydance or Skydance or whatever the studio is that hired Lasseter after Disney fired. Right. So I had an interview with this guy from, from the studio to look at my stuff. And I'd been doing this children's book series, which I hated, but I'd been doing this children's book series and I'd done like four books. So I had some stuff to show him from that and some other stuff. And I go on with these lifts in. They gave me like an extra inch. And this guy, it's like six, seven. <laughs> I felt like the biggest idiot. And I sit down. I'm like, what? what was I thinking? And he's looking at my stuff. He's like, yeah, this stuff's, uh, you know, it's okay. Um, I'm like, all right. Let's let me get the hell out of here. So, like. I would say humbling, but it's more humiliating than it People is. People say, yeah, I, I don't think anybody who ever says the phrase humbling ever means it. Right, like, exactly. It's either they humiliating or it. or like it's like, oh, somebody wins an Oscar, like, oh, this is a humbling experience. It's like, no, it's not. This no. is the opposite of humbling. Yes, it's the this opposite. This will only serve to make you less humble. <laughs> I was talking with my wife about this. It is the exact opposite of humbling. It's yeah. gratifying. Like it's not yeah. it's like I will cease being humble humbling. after this. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I hear about imposter syndrome people have. Oh, I'm not good enough to have. Like, I have the opposite. I was like, I'm better than this. I should be working. Like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think is called arrogance, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, but if you're right, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, I don't know what we're talking about, but that's... <laughs> I, I I don't remember either, but I, I just remember like you seeing you more and more and more on my feed on Instagram and being like, I really dig this guy's stuff. I really, yeah, it was that COVID thing, like where we were all stuck at home. I just started posting like crazy, like drawing, posting anything I would draw, any commission I would get, I would throw on Instagram and um, yeah, just kind of draw it my way. I wouldn't try to copy anybody else's stuff, just filtering those, you know, Kenny and Jim Engel, Steve Levine, filtering all those guys' work through my through my brain. Yeah. And you were, um, what happened first? Did you draw your first NECA thing? Or did you end up on uh, the last Ronin cover? What, what happened um, first? Let me think. I can't remember the timeline here because a lot of stuff happened at once. The last Ronin thing kind of came along. And I said, yeah, sure. Because I really wasn't sure, like, the way IDW does some of those limited edition, it's kind of weird. Um, I won't get into all of it, but um, these other artists kind of approached me and I'm like, yeah, I, it was a cool group of artists. I liked everybody that was involved. So I said, yeah, that'll be I fun. want to give a shout out to BJ Hahn who did my comic. Yeah. Uh, and who's uh, did the coloring for all that. And just yes. super talented She's person. She's really just, good. She's really BJ's good. BJ's great. So shout out um, to BJ. Everybody that was involved in that thing was really great. Um, Absolutely. But, but it was um, it was just a fun thing to be a part of, and um, around that same time, I like like three big. I started teaching, and I got this gig doing concept art for somebody that again will probably never hire me again because it was just too much on too short a deadline. Hmm. And um, and then uh, um, this weird radio <laughs> comic strip thing came along that i just had to bow out of um and then neca came along and around the same time it all was kind of like the same thing but the neca thing i was like this is too perfect i can't let this one go the radio thing i could let go and this theme park thing if that blows up it's it's fine it, it, it blows up but but the neca thing i like i i can't let this go i got yeah. 
<clears throat> and I thought I had, because the first stuff I did, I think the very first thing I did for them was the Usagi box rough. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he liked my rough, Trevor. And knowing Trevor now, I would not blink an eye, not bat an eye at this. But at the time, I sent him my tight drawing, and he emailed me back. He's like, this is not at all what I wanted. This is, this is completely different. The posing is all wrong. And now I'd be like, well, just tell me how to fix it. But at the time I was like, oh my God, I hope Trevor's not mad at me. I hope I didn't mess up. Like, you know how Trevor is. He's got kind of a <laughs> very like blunt. Um, oh yeah, yeah, bag. very much. Yeah. But there's a little bit of sarcasm there sometimes too. Um, but if he likes your work and he likes you, then he'll just tell you. He's not going to tiptoe around it. He'll just tell you, no, <laughs> like, I don't think that's gonna. Well, work. I mean, like, like he, he he's a professional and he knows you yeah. are, and like I think like I think the expectation is like, well, if I'm gonna work with this guy on equal footing, they have to be able to handle this. Yeah, I got to be able to tell him if something sucks or if it's not right. Yeah. And so, and again, to his credit, I redrew it, and after I redrew it, he was happy with it, and you know, he kept giving me work. So, being neurotic, it took me a while to figure out if he keeps giving me work. Clearly, he likes what I'm doing, and he likes working with. There's not like, I'm not in danger of pissing him off. So, you know, um, but that, that came like right as I had started teaching and mm. teaching in California means you got to get a credential. And that means you have to go basically to grad school. Only you don't get a graduate degree. You just get a teaching credential, but you still got to put in full-time college hours. So when I started teaching, I was also going to school full-time and I was doing NECA because I wasn't going to let that go. So there was a point where I was just like running ragged. I was exhausted. I had like barely anything, but NECA <clears throat> to Trevor's unending credit. Maybe he'll hear this. Probably not, but maybe he will. He, he was never like all my ass about a deadline ever. There would be times where he's like, can we get these this week? But he was never like, why haven't you finished this yet? Where is this? We need there was none of like that other guy to no one's surprise. You've been fired from this project. There was none of that kind of stuff with Trevor. He's very like, just get this to me when you can. Um, and if there's revisions, he was like, yeah, we have some revisions that don't make a lot of sense, but we got to do them anyway. So, you know, he was never like a pain in the ass about it, which I so appreciated, especially at the time being under that much stress because where I was teaching was just awful. I mean, where everybody teaches after COVID is awful, but that was like next level awful. So him being as patient as he was and as like relaxed about the whole thing was was really cool. I remember being so excited for you. Like, uh, like Trevor had called, had texted me. He was like, "Hey, you think your buddy Aaron? Because you and I had you done my logo, and yeah. you and I had worked together on a different project, which we won't get into." Um, and like, but Trevor had seen all the art from all of the above, and yeah. uh, and he had reached out to me and was like, "Hey, you think your buddy Aaron would want to like do some work for us?" And I was like. I will say yes for him. Yeah. <laughs> There's no need to ask. It's like, I was like yes, I'll. And I, then I immediately it was like text. He's like, dude, call me right now. So like, well, was, what was literally what was that was like text. Stuff, I was like, you have to call me right now. So. Some of the stuff I'll tell you the the NECA story since that's all people really want to hear now is is how I ended up with NECA. Um, yeah, I think with Trevor, a couple of things that happened because because through some stuff you and I had done and through Facebook, I'd gotten to know Kenny a little bit. And yep. then I met Kenny before we'd worked on the thing together. I met Kenny 
um, when he was down here visiting in Burbank, because he spent like 20 or 30 years here working at all the studios in town. And it's like his second home. So he was down here for something. And I bought a piece from him that I thought was really cool. And he texted me. Said, Can I call you? I said, yeah. And he called me and said, hey, uh, do you want to meet up? Of course. That's my idol. Absolutely. I want to meet up. Like, I mean, there weren't that many guys whose work I followed that I was that into that are still yeah. alive. You know, I was a huge yeah. Jim Henson fan. Dead. Um, I was a huge fan. Of, you know, Chuck Jones. Dead. Everybody that I idolized is dead except for some guys like Kenny and Steve Levine, thankfully, and, and Jim Engel and some of these other guys. But, you know, Kenny was it for me. So, like, yeah, of course I want to meet up. So we hung out in the parking lot of Bob's Big Boy down the street and talked for, like, gosh, I don't know, like two hours, just hanging out, talking. It was right around the time COVID was ending, I think. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> he was already doing stuff for NECA, I think. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think they'd reached out to him about doing some toys. So behind the scenes, he'd been trying to get me work everywhere. And he was also working on Trevor to try to get me like a job over there. And I kept telling him, Kenny, leave him alone. Don't just don't don't do that. Don't don't. But you know how Kenny is. He's if he likes you, yeah. he wants you to succeed. In oh, yeah. Whatever you the, the best. He part. likes everybody almost. But if he really likes you and yeah. sees that you're good, then he wants you to <laughs> he just wants you to work. So. He was trying to get me work wherever. And a lot of the stuff I did for Trevor, for NECA, was not things that were designed to like have my name on them. Like the cartoon figures are that aren't supposed to look like anybody could have drawn. It's supposed to look like it's right out of the cartoon. You're not supposed sure. to see any style with that stuff. And I think for Trevor, <clears throat> um, he needed to be able to see that I could do things that did not have my look. Like, Sure. You wouldn't look at the neck of toy art on the boxes, the flat stuff, and say Aaron Hazuri drew this because you're not supposed to know. It's just supposed to look like packaging, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I have trouble with that. I think to your credit, like I, I there was yeah, I, I, I was mean, like, hey, did you do this one? Yeah. There's there's me. There's Jason Yang. There's some other guys that do the those flat cartoon uh, box art that you're not supposed to know who did what. It's all supposed to look really similar. And there's stuff that other guys have done, and people are like, did you do that? That's got to be you. I'm still doing so, that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not me. Um, so I think Trevor needed to see that I was able to like generate ideas pretty quickly and wasn't too attached to anything. Yeah. Um, and also, like we were saying, I needed to be able to take criticism, which by this point, you know, I've been kicked around by everybody. So I don't. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Tell me what you hate about it and I'll fix it. Um, but also that I was willing to just like. Be a part of a machine like when Daniel was still doing the paintings for the box art, Trevor needed to know that I was okay with like drawing the stuff and didn't care that somebody else was going to paint over it. And then it wasn't going to look like I drew it by the time it was painted over. Um, and I think like being able to do all of that stuff and other things he'd asked me to do last minute that nobody will ever see. Um, and also being pretty easy to work with, um, I think led to Trevor um, and Kenny just irritating the hell out of him. <laughs> To Trevor offering me the position, which I still like. I'll tell this story because I think people will, will think it's funny. Um, San Diego Comic Con was this 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 past summer, and I was working out of NECA's offices because they just opened an office in Burbank, and they bought a, another company, and um, so there were a couple people in this office, and Trevor, and Trevor doesn't have a staff. He's got Travis who does the packaging 
for for NECA. And Travis is uh, does works on a contract with NECA, so he's he's not full time with NECA. Um, so I was in their office working because they had a cubicle set up, and I said, "Yeah, I'll come hang out." I was training teachers all summer, and then I'd go there and just draw, work on whatever they gave me. And um, the last day I'm there, no, back up before San Diego. Trevor's like, "You want to go down to to San Diego?" And I'm like, "Eh, uh, the crowds." like a two, three hour drive. I just don't, eh, it's, it's, it's cool. I think I can get you a badge. You know, if you want to go to San Diego, uh, I don't, I'm not, I just, eh, you know, it's not my, uh, you know, Kenny's going to be there. Yeah, I know. Kenny's cool. I just don't. But then Kenny is like, he's texting me. What are you doing? Are you coming to San Diego? I said, gee, do you think I should? And he calls me. He's like, Yes. Go to San Diego. I said, okay, I guess if you're twisting my arm, I'll go down to San Diego. So I went down to San Diego Comic-Con. And I'm like, Trevor, what do you want me to do? He's like, just hang out. Just just kind of be here, hang out. So, because I'm still like, what is this? Like, it all feels too good to be true. So I'm, I'm hanging out. And I met up with Kenny, who's still, like, you talk about humble. Kenny's humble to the point of absurdity. He doesn't realize how big he should be. Oh, my God. So I know. He's yeah. like at a corner in San Diego at Artist Alley between these artists. I'm like, what What are you doing? Why is Stan yeah. Saki over there? Stan Sakai, however you say his name, uh, has like a giant thing, like a huge display and a, and a, and a like section. And why are you over here by yourself with a stack of old comics, like drawings? What are you doing? Yeah. That's not on your table, but the white plastic. Uh, um, but yeah, so so I went to San Diego and he's like, I think they're going to hire you. I went to dinner with Kenny because he's so he's so sweet. I think you're going to be their first artist. I'm like, Kenny, they're not they don't they don't need an artist. There's nothing for me to do. There's no. Um, so the last day I got back home and I'm working out of NECA's office and I'm and I'm training teachers. And the last day, Trevor and I are out getting pizza. And he's like, um, he said, yeah, I'll, I'll get lunch because you're going to be buying us a lot of coffee. I said, I'm I'm not. I got to go teach tomorrow. I got to be back at school. Kids are going to be there. I got to start planning lessons and stuff. He goes, oh, uh, I want to offer you a full-time job. <laughs> I'm like, like, dude, I got to go tomorrow. It was a Monday. I got to be at school tomorrow. Are you serious about this? He's like, well, what would it take? So I'm like, you got to let me think about it because this is like absolute last minute. He goes, all right, think about it. He goes, I know you're dedicated to the children. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you know, if you can find it in your heart to leave the kids behind. I said, all right, let me. Uh... So I get to school the next day and I'm in this meeting and I'm in the meeting. Like I, I, one thing I hate is meetings and school meetings are just the worst. Any sure. teacher will tell you those meetings. They call it PD, professional development. They are terrible. So I'm I sitting in school for a few years. So I, yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah. so they suck. I'm in this meeting on my phone and I'm like, all right, what do they pay me? What do I make in freelance? What's that add up to? How much of a cut am I willing to take to not have to drive 90 minutes a day? Cause that was my commute to and from school. Um, oh. How much would that save me in gas? So I'm like, all right, here's my number. I text it to Trevor. He goes, cool. That's what we pay. Let me uh, just run it up to the to Randy um, and the company owner, and and we'll let you know. I'm like, all right, cool. So I 
the AP at school, this principal is a friend of mine, and I, I talked to her just between us, you know, nothing official, but I think this is going to happen. So that began two months of just pure, like, agony. Like, just... Oh, like that, me, when like, you're on your way out? Yeah. I what know. is happening? When yeah. is this happening? When is this going to... Yeah. Like, at some point, Trevor was asking me, hey, did you hear anything from NECA? I'm like, you're, you're NECA. NECA. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it takes a while sometimes. And it's, they're not a big company. And yeah, yeah. company like NECA is part of this. They're their own company, but there's other companies that are kind of owned by the same. It's complicated. Um, yeah. They don't have that many employees. And their HR department is like, I don't know, one person or something. So, um. I think Randy had a thing for a week. He was at COVID or something. Everybody. Um, and then the HR person had a thing. And then there, at some point, they were finally like, all right, give me a start date. Um, I think it was with my wife. We were somewhere at a garden or something. And Randy emailed me on a Sunday. He's like, I'm sorry. I've been sick and this and that. Just give me a start date and we'll get you going. I said, all right, October 9th. This was like September 30th or something. Um, and then as, they, as that day got closer, I'm like, oh, God, what's happening? And it was... The Tuesday before, where their HR person was like, all right, here's your paperwork, October 9th. I'm like, oh, God, is this real? And it was really scary because everything had been really, like, seat of the pants. But I, So I let the school know, all right, this is my very last week. Um, and they were very sweet. They are very accommodating. They, they hated to lose me, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and so that was it. And then that Monday, I was at NECA. And so, like... What was crazy was that first week, Trevor was gone. He was at um, New York Comic Con, I think. And like I said before, there weren't any NECA employees. So it was just me. So I come in and Trevor's like, yeah, I'm not going to be there. So just work on this and this. <laughs> so I'd be there all day, like, just, <laughs> what the hell am I doing? That whole first week. And then. Um, yeah, I was with Trevor then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when Trevor got back, he's like, uh. Actually, he called me. He called me the, the 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 first night. He's like, you feel like you work here yet? And I'm like, no. <laughs> the second week, he's like, well, do you feel like an employee yet? I'm like, no. I still don't. <laughs> this doesn't feel real. This is week four now. Do you feel like an employee yet? And it still doesn't because yeah. the job is so like. Like, what's a day of work there for you that so you can I'll, reveal? I don't want to make um, <laughs> I don't want to make it sound less professional than it is. But I said to Trevor, when do I need to get here? Because I'm used to, for school, I had to be up at 6.30. Sure. You need to be Give on yeah. time. You know, prep everything. Like, deadlines are very motivating. Or, like, something like, yes. like, you don't just tell me, show up whenever. Like, so Trevor's like, you know, and Travis, too, because Travis comes in. Like, uh, when do you guys usually come in? You know, between 9 and 10. Like, okay. And literally, my last job was... 45 minutes in the morning and an hour to get home. Sure. This is like seven minutes down the road. Nice. So the difference is huge. And to not have to be up at 6.30, but to be able to get up at like 8, 8.30, and not be like, what am I going to teach 150 kids? How am I going to deal with a kid when he's throwing a tantrum? And, you know, my last week of school, they were smearing poop on the walls of the boys' restroom upstairs. And I'm sending Trevor copies of these text messages just so he can see the... He's like, yeah, that happens here sometimes. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I get to work. Um, 
you, the NECA's main office is on the East Coast anyway. So they're, mm-hmm. they're like nine, which is six our time. Obviously, we're not going to get in that early. Come on, we're artists. Yes, yeah, that's. So <clears throat> he's like, come in between nine and 10. Um, and I have a list of things that need to get done. And there's also some things that I'm working on that are just like samples. So I can try to match something else. Um, so that's just like nobody will ever see that except me and Trevor and maybe Randy, but it's not for anything or for anybody. So that's stuff I'm working on. And then there's also I'm learning how to sculpt because he needs me to know how to sculpt. So I'm learning that too. But then there's also like, hey, we want to do this, but we need reference for it. So can you find reference for this? Hmm. I have my childhood like graphic novels stacked up there. Um so there'll be a, two or three of us just flipping through these things sometimes. Or he's got scans of almost every old Archie comic. So I'll be like just like going through the Archie comics looking for stuff. Um, and so a workday might be that or he might get some sculpts back and say, the sculptor's having trouble. Can you do some turnaround drawings of this so we can show the sculptor what it should look like? I'll say, well, sure. But what am I basing turnaround drawings on? Um, that's a question I don't need to ask because I already know. I got to find a reference for this and find out what this is supposed to look like from every angle. So some of my job is just spending two or three hours finding reference. And it might mean I got to watch sounds dumb, but I'm going to have to watch cartoons for an hour just to find out what this looks like from every angle. So a lot of my job is finding what I need to draw and then drawing it from different angles and then sending it to Trevor and he, Two days later, it's like, did you send me that? Yeah, I, I sent it. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Or I'll say, how did that look? Um, I'm. I guess it was fine. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> or just like, you know, we need concepts for this. Okay, here's ten concepts. Those all suck. Okay, you want to give me some reference? Uh, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Or we'll get a box in from FedEx. Let's see what's in the box from FedEx. You know, sometimes it's stuff from China, samples or, um, you know, mock-ups or something. Or he'll say, hey, come check this out. And he's got something he bought on on eBay that's really cool that he wants to show me. (laughs) Or there'll be a test print that he's doing that, you know, that he's pulling off the printer. He wants me to check out the test print and show me how the the test printing process goes. And... um, just you know there's just lots of weird little things it's very little like other places i've worked have like a project queue or something where you're working on this and there's a yeah. list of things you need to do and this it's not how NECA is really it's it's a lot more we've got these projects we're working on at least from from our standpoint now back on the east coast it's probably a lot more like um What's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of the word right now, but it's probably a lot more like regimented or, you know, professional <laughs> looking. Whereas in our office, it's a lot more organic, I guess. We work on things. They come in. We see how they look. If they look good, we move them to the next step. If they need more work, then we work on them and then, you know, kind of go from there. The um, Of the boxes that have hit, of the stuff, the boxes you've drawn that have hit shelves so far, there was... You did the Usagi layout. You did, I know you did Jersey Red because I, one of my prized possessions is the original <laughs> Jersey Red art. Yes. Yeah, which is I I love that art. Um, <laughs> and uh, I know you did the neutrinos. What am I missing here? There's a few others, right? I did. I'm trying to think, 
because it was all a while ago. Uh, I did the, the gang members. So Scrag, Jersey Red, Dumbo, Dopey. Um, Dark They're Donatello. not Dumbo and Dopey anymore. They're just tall and short. They've lost yeah, their Yeah, because there's a whole story behind that. But the gist of it is those... I mean, it must be because of Disney, right? That must be... No, actually, the, the, the reference material has it both ways. So on some, they're called Dumbo and Dopey, and on some, they're called Dopey and Dumbo. So... Like the sculptor, one of the sculptors did a ton of research. And I can't remember if it was Jason or Eric or which sculptor it was on that one. But they did a lot of research on these things. And the name changes. It goes back and forth. So I think NECA couldn't figure out for certain. And, and Trevor's really big on knowing, like, if we're going to call it something, there needs to be some justification for calling it that. Sure, yeah. If there's two names, then, you know, as far as I know, it wasn't the Disney thing. It was more... Um, this character had like the names were flipped in different places. So we just interesting. Yeah. And you can go back and look. If you look on the internet, you'll see there's there's different names. Um, the names get switched back and forth. So um because there's another character that there was a name thing and I thought he got it wrong. He's like, no, no, and showed me where <laughs> where I was wrong. But I don't know if that figure's been announced yet, so I won't. No, okay. I think it has. I think it has. I think it was in San Diego. Hang on. Let me look. This is another dead air moment, but let me double check. <laughs> and make sure, because I don't want Trevor to... Yeah, no. We don't want to... mad at me. We don't want you teaching again. <laughs> they, they they take me back. They need me. No, I know, but <laughs> we don't want that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Okay, so they announced it. Yeah, they announced Professor um, Jordan Perry. He was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a two-pack yeah, yeah. of both him. Yeah. So his name is this the pack? Yeah, somebody's already got the package online. All right, so the so the so the package is out there. I thought that his name was misspelled, but I was mistaken. And the How way we would spell Jordan is not the way they spelled Jordan in the movie. So what? Yeah. Well, how is it spelled? It's spelled j-o-r-d-o-n on the box because i just pulled it up on on instagram um, really okay i thought it was j-o-r-d-a-n and i saw it and i said did you spell that he's like oh no and i looked it up and sure enough no shit that's such a yeah. weird spelling i know but he's trevor's probably the perfect guy for this job he's very his attention to detail is unlike anybody else's and he's like his He's so knowledgeable about all this stuff, not just turtles, but you talk with him about almost anything from that era. And he's, he's an expert. We've had long discussions about the Batman movies from the eighties and nineties. So what was the neutrinos? The first thing that you drew that hit the shelves? Let me think. It might've been the neutrinos. I I'm think wondering so. what that felt like. Like the first time you went into a target and saw your cool. artwork. It was really cool. I mean, that was cool because I'd done children's books and I'd, I'd seen myself out and about, but to see like a turtles thing with my official art on it was really, was really neat. And um, to see the, um, the, the Usagi box was really cool too. And then to see the Rex one one, because the Rex one one, um, that figures out, isn't it? Yeah. That figures out. Yeah. That got one, He's up there. Okay, good. <laughs> Yeah. That one, um, Daniel's painting is really close to my original drawing. So that was really cool to see because I liked that so much of my drawing made it into the um, the final. That box. one felt a little more you. 
the yeah. holding up Donnie's by the belt. That felt a little bit well, more like. And there's a thing where the original artist for the VHS covers was Greg Martin. And Daniel is a master at matching Greg Martin's original style. Mm. But there's stuff that Greg Martin wouldn't do that when I drew that, I just kind of drew it. I didn't think about what Greg Martin would draw, what he wouldn't draw. I just drew it. So I think when Daniel got it, he was like, this isn't a Greg Martin kind of pose, which it wasn't. It was an Aaron Azuri <laughs> pose that I just came up with. I came up with a few of them, and that's the one Trevor liked the most. So um, so I think when he drew it, it was tough to make it look like a Greg Martin painting because the drawing wasn't a Greg Martin drawing. So mm, I think he um, he did a great job with it, but I think he was forced just by nature of that to make it look more like my drawing than the Usagi one did. But anytime I get to see something that looks like I drew it in the final product is is pretty cool. And I think there's some stuff coming that I don't want to say um, that will look like I drew it. That's that's kind of neat. Prior to these, had you ever drawn Rex One, Jersey Red, Dumbo, <laughs> any of these characters? Absolutely not. Never. <laughs> and so for the box art, like the flat cartoony stuff, um, Nickelodeon wants it to look like what's in the show. And so does NECA. So you have to take the show and it's not enough to trace the screen caps because if you trace it, it's going to look like a wobbly trace drawing. You have to draw it based on what the screen cap looks like. So you can't just be, you've got to have the, the skill to draw something as well as be able to trace it, if that makes sense. Yeah. You just trace it, you can see the unsteady hand. So you got to be able to draw but the drawing has to look like the screen cap. So for like Jersey Red, Dumball, those guys, you're you're drawing it to look like what's in the show. And that means that whether or not I know how to draw those characters doesn't really matter because it's just what's in the show. For the VHS style boxes, my drawings are layout drawings, which are different. I'm not tracing anything. I'm just looking at the cartoon. So usually I have like five or six images of the thing in a, in a screen open. And I'm drawing over here. So I'm looking at the screen and then looking back here to make sure my drawing looks close enough to what the um, original character looked like. It doesn't matter as much for layout drawings because they are just for layout. They don't have to be perfect. But as I got further into it, like some of the painted stuff I've done, then you have to really like work on what this thing looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where somebody like Trevor will come in and say, this doesn't look like this, even though you think it does. And we'll go back and look at it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You're right, but you can see why I saw that. And he's like, yeah, I, I, I see where you got that from, but that's not what it was. So, I mean, any artist, Kenny will tell you this, if you're working on something that has characters you didn't design, you have to practice drawing those characters a little bit. Mm. Uh, now, for box art, I'm not going to spend a week learning how to draw characters that I'm only going to need, you know, for one box. Um, but if you're doing something like a storyboard or a comic book or something, for those you really do have to practice drawing the characters a little bit just so your hand gets the muscle memory of drawing those shapes. Otherwise it's going to look kind of like you traced it or labored over it or something. There's a guy, uh, Dan Schoening, who did some of the real Ghostbusters comics and he did some of the Team NT Saturday morning comics. Okay. And his stuff, he can match a cartoon style like almost like nobody I've ever seen. His, he's really, really good at it. And he must practice drawing those characters like crazy because he can draw them from every angle and it looks like they came straight off the show. Only the drawings, his drawings are better than the ones on the show. He's really, really good at it. Really mm. good. <clears throat> I mean, a lot of the, the artists that are doing the Saturday Morning Turtles comics are great. 
but as far as matching the look of the show, he's probably the the most like accurate when it comes to that. And that just comes from practicing drawing the characters over and over and over. When you and I met that okay. one day at that bar in 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 LA, you showed me a lot of the. So you have you're also a collector of art. Oh, yeah. Can you share with the audience some of this some of the artwork that they would know that you own the original? The first art. piece I bought, the and it's my Grail piece or was my Grail piece. I've got some other cool pieces, but the first piece I bought, I somehow found on eBay some stuff from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal box from the early 90s, late 80s, 89, 90. And I found the artist, Terry Hinkle, was the guy who owned the studio that did the box art for that cereal. So this was 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. And he still had the main illustration for the background and the cell painting of the four turtles and the big giant spoon. Yeah. He still had that art. For the cereal box. He had all of it. But I was not, like, rich. I was kind of broke at the time. But I knew if I did not get that box art, the front panel box art, that I would never get that chance. Yeah, And sure. so I scraped together, I think it was $2,000 at the time. Which now, like, I wouldn't sell it for less than 10 grand. Because to me, oh, that's yeah. like, like, it's... Uh, but that was, like, a, such a huge piece for me to get. And then I think shortly after that, I got the Steve Levine art from one of the um, Burger King Kids Club plastic cups, the one where the turtles are on skateboards. Um, that's a really cool piece. Hanging up in my office, I also have a drawing by Levine and Brown from the licensing guide from 1991 that I don't think was ever used on anything. Um, but I've also got the art to the first Ninja Turtles coloring book, the painted art. Uh, I think it's called How It All Began, and it's got that yellow cover. Everybody's seen it. Um, I've also got some of the Jim Engel folder art that has Rocksteady. Oh, the one Rocksteady in the foreground. I that, yes, that, that's one board, of those yes. ones that I like. Yes, that I love just that. made his art stick with me because I've I've yes. that, I had that folder. You know, I probably still have it somewhere. There I know was another one I wanted, and that was up for auction, and I didn't have cell service while the auction was going on. I think my mom was visiting or something. I was pissed. I was on my phone trying to, and it sold. And I know the guy who bought it, and then I remember telling him, "You, you bastard." <laughs> and Jim Kinkle was was talking about how much it sold for. I said, "Yeah, I would have sold for more if I had cell service because that piece was." Uh, and the thing about some of this turtles art is, when people buy it, they are never letting it go unless they run into a real bind. Absolutely. I had to sell some yeah. stuff that broke my heart to sell, but um, for me, as a cartoonist, as a guy who loves drawing in black and white, the ink drawings are top tier for me. So I have some pages by Kenny, also by Ken Mitchroni. I've got two or three pages by him. And um, those are like, you know, recently I sold one of his pages that wasn't one of my favorites because I didn't grow up reading it. But I've got a couple, one with Stump and Sling from the Intergalactic Wrestling story. Nice. Um, and another one with Rocksteady and Bebop. Um, and those two pages are like, like top tier. Like that's Kenny when he was just at his prime drawing that stuff. Like, um, and which, couple, uh, which Rocksteady and Bebop page is it? It's the one where they're, I think they're in a sub and they, Bang heads together. Um, oh, nice. Yes. Because we were talking to Kenny once and he mentioned it. And I'm like, I have that page. <laughs> I've got a, a couple of his pages, a couple of his commissions. He sent me a sketch once because I talked about this um, Ninja Turtles uh, poster coloring kit that he was showing off. And I said, this thing's really cool. 
And he just sent it to me because I thought it was cool. And he put a little note in there and said, this is for all you do for the kids. Uh, which is kind of ironic now since I left the kids high and dry. But, um, <laughs> I mean, just stuff like that. He's I, I, I love art and I love the, the drawn stuff the most. I have a ton of non-turtle stuff too, but the turtle stuff is my, you know, it's, I've got the fruit snacks, box art. I've got probably 30 different layout sketches for the cereal box art. Just, I've just got so much. I, I love that stuff. It's, I'm a fan first and foremost. I'm still a fan artist. I work for NECA now, but I'm still a fan artist. That's, that's, that's what I am. The, and I'm, I'm a fan first. I'm an artist second. I really did fall into the NECA thing. Um, just pure luck. You and pure luck is, is how I fell into it. But but really, I'm a fan first and an artist second. The um, Speaking of how much, like, to proof that you're a fan. So as you were talking, I was looking up. I, I couldn't remember what coloring book you were talking about, how it all began. So I was looking it up, and I saw one of the first pieces of art that came up of it, maybe halfway down the Google thing, was yeah. you, you, you talking about this on the Technodrome forums in 2007. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, like, this, I still I went into an artist from the Technodrome forum today was messaging me. He's like, I can't believe you've gone from there to working for NECA. I'm like, it's it's all luck. I like the jobs I went after, I never got. Sure. And like, which is people are asking me like, well, you've never worked on the comics. I'm like, well, one, I've never gone after those jobs. But two, they have people that are really good at doing the comics that are working yeah. on them. Oh, you know, I was on these forums at the same time. I was I was. I was I don't, I can't remember what year, when I was on them, but I I was on here so early I was just Donatello <laughs> on the Technodrome forums. I, that was I, I literally there's not even a number after it. It was just <laughs> the name great. Donatello. That's how early I was on the Technodrome forums. God, I was on there so I think I was on there right. It's probably right when 2003 was coming. Like it was we're all excited. That's about right new, to me. Sure, new turtle stuff was coming. We're like, oh my god, it's coming back. Maybe yeah. it'll be big again. Which is, it's crazy to think now that the 2012 show is over a decade, like, old. Nuts. Yeah, that's, that's crazy, crazy to think. Uh, what's your website so people can buy some of these cool prints that you have on here? I love the You know what? Just find me, find me on Instagram. Um, Instagram's the best thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cartoonist Aaron. I have a link there. Um, I don't always have the print store open. Sometimes I close it if I get behind on envelope art, but. I think it's open right now. I think. <laughs> oh, you did the dark turtle art too. That was a good one for the uh, packaging. We got off the, I forgot we were talking about my, yeah, the dark turtle, Scrag, Jersey Red, Dumpy, Dumpy, Dumbo. Dumpy. <laughs> I should have called him Dumpy. Um, I did the neutrinos. I did the layout drawings for Rex One and for um, Usagi. Um, I did. Some stuff that isn't out yet. Um, some stuff that hasn't been approved yet. Um, some stuff that has been announced that's not out yet. So I have some other stuff that's out there. Um, oh, uh, Rhino Man and Mighty Hog. I did that one too. Yes, those are great ones. I love those. I that one. Those were cool. I I've used got to those guys like flying up there. I don't <laughs> know if you can see the. Probably can't see it. Yeah, so. I see it back there. Yeah. I used to do them on paper, but I just ran into a point where I just when you have to generate so much work so fast, you, you can't work on paper anymore. So mm. I have a few that are on paper that are left. I, I, a lot of them I sold just because I love production art and other people love it too. So I like to give them a chance to own some of this stuff also. 
I like to make the money off of it too. Um, but yeah, most of the stuff I drew on paper I've sold. I didn't I don't have much left that's on paper. But I do still find myself with a sketchbook open at when I'm at work at NECA, just like it's just easier to just doodle if I'm trying to come up with a concept, just kind of really quickly doodle stuff. So sure. But I think that's all I've done that I can talk about. There's more coming. You put out a, a book of, uh, of of your envelope art recently. Is there a, any of those left for people to buy? Or do, those no, those are all out? gone. I'm going to oh, do wow. a giveaway. I think I still have one left, and I'm going to give away on Instagram. But I, they're all sold. Cool. Uh, I'll never do that. <laughs> I'll never do that again. That was such a pain to put together. Was it? <laughs> Just because I didn't take pictures of the stuff thinking I was going to put it in a book. So trying to edit it all together, just like. The the lighting was off and the just it was a it was a mess it was a mess. Uh, last thing I always ask for everybody is who's your favorite turtle and why? I don't think I have a favorite, honestly. Everybody, at, you know, it changes. I mean, I used to really like. It changes. Just depends on my mood. I like all of them. I like, I like Donatello because I like to be able to draw him with gadgets and stuff, and I think he's kind of a kind of a dopey, nice guy. That's how Kenny described him. That's how I think of him. Michelangelo's a party dude. He's got a totally different energy than um, than the rest of them. Raphael, if you're looking at like the cartoon, is kind of a sarcastic guy, mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, but if you're looking at the Mirage comics, he's like the brutal, like like uncontrollable rage guy. And Leo in the comics was always kind of the like ruthless leader but also the honor guy and then uh in the cartoons i don't think they did him as well as they did in in kenny's comics especially because kenny had a way of drawing him that was I'm flipping through now kenny's leo is the one i copied from those incredible shrinking turtles comics how would you that's describe it that's interesting that's probably why i like because his leo kind of had this determined look um on his face um almost always yeah, I'm looking at one now. This isn't a video podcast, so I won't show a picture, but I'm looking at him now. But he just had this determined, like, he was the guy in charge, the the collected one, the cool, calm, collected one. Um, yeah, so I don't have a favorite. I couldn't pick one. Hmm? But, you know, I think it depends on my mood. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, dude. I'm all set here. Thanks so much for doing this finally. And uh, awesome. once we have more stuff, you'll have to return. So awesome. All right, dude. Have a good night. You too. Later. All right, bye.
but moving more. Nothing cracks like being underground. Especially the groove is sound. Before you know, out of sight, let's go. 